Blog Talk Radio. Also have to bring in 
My man, 100 grand. Field T-Sports PhD. What's happening, Captain? Fellas, can I have permission to go random for 60 seconds? Knock it out of the park. You have the floor. I'm in a real good place right now, guys. Um, you know the feeling when you've gotten a little bit behind on your best show and you've got three episodes of it on your DVR. You know, when you start a new show on Netflix and you know you got five more seasons in front of you. Fellas, I just started. I'm on my sixth episode of the first season of The Wire. And I'm hooked. I'm hooked with Omar and Bunk and McNulty. And I got seven more seasons. I'm feeling good. All right, I'm back. And and, and what I'll tell you, PhD, and I'm sure any listener who's watched The Wire out there will tell you, it only gets better. So the euphoria you feel right now, knowing that you have all of those seasons ahead of you, know that each one of them is excellent. There's no drop-off. Yeah, yeah. Now, now Marcus, I, I can appreciate you right now because you, you gave a supportive statement, you gave a tease, but you gave zero information. I can appreciate that. Because <laughs> exactly. some cats do not have the ability or the want to to do that. Now, Devon, you got something to say. Please don't ruin it. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna say ditto, ditto. That's it. Enjoy. All right. And just as PhD is gonna enjoy the wire, I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. We have a, a ton of ground to cover related to the NFL, specifically pertaining to the NFL. So all you football heads out there, relax. Buckle up if you're on your treadmill or whatever you go, whatever you doing while you listen to this. Just sit back. We're gonna take you on a wild ride. Now, we 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 had a, we have a fantasy football cipher that just went out. So make sure you check that out. Eric Hamilton just put out the first fantasy football cipher of the uh, 2013 season. So check that out for all you fantasy football heads. That's out there. So we won't be covering a lot of fantasy football. We're gonna be talking hardcore gridiron. Hardcore gridiron, what's going on on the field. So we're going to jump right in. We're going to start out with the funky editorial and hit you off with that just like this. Fellas, the one thing we need to say, shall we say it, y'all? Melvin, Jimmy, Coleman, Ryan, sit. Everybody want to get funky one more time. Now, to Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com. Now, for you new listeners out there, because every year around this time we pick up new listeners, folks out there who are long-time listeners will recommend the show, to, uh, new friends or, or folks that they know are into sports and, and want something different from their sports radio. So for you new listeners out there, it's it a portion of the show, a segment of the show where we like to give our own opinion on something that's going on. We like to editorialize a little bit around a specific topic. We each get a go at it, and we have some good barbershop conversation. Now, this week we're going to talk about, you know, it's important in sports, in any uh, brand of media, to have watchers of the watchers, right? Somebody that's paying attention to it and somebody that's critiquing the critiquer, so to speak. And so that's what we that's the kind of role that we play. A lot of fluff stories out there that are getting way too much coverage. And I know 
we kind of we kind of talked about some of this stuff. There's a lot of stuff out there that's just getting way overblown, and it shouldn't be getting the air kind of. But again, the media is the media. They play the big markets, so you know you got the 24-hour news cycle. That's a lot of programming that you have to uh, fill, and so
I'm really curious to see how well he can lead the Colts. Uh, can he lead them back to the playoffs? Can he have uh, that good of a season again? Um, the next thing I'm really interested in is uh, Adrian Peterson. Um, and and actually, I'll skip Adrian and I'll talk about Kansas City. You know, I'm really excited about what Andy Reid's going to bring to Kansas City. Um, I I like Alex Smith. I I stood up and I put the gauntlet in the in the ground and I you know Alex Smith was my guy last year. He got wronged. I don't know what Harbaugh was doing. And all of a sudden they made it to the Super Bowl. Harbaugh made the right decision. But but I like what Kansas City did. Um, I, you know I think with Bo with uh, uh, you know, with Alex Smith having some weapons there as well as with Charles, you know, I'm I'm just really excited to see what happens in in Kansas City, and I think they may have the ability to really make some noise early in the season. To me, the question is, is can they sustain it? Because they're really thin in some key positions, specifically in the secondary, where you're you know really counting on a couple of guys who had some serious injuries, such as Eric Berry. So I'm really curious how that works out. And the final thing I'm really looking forward to in this season is what step do we take in player safety? You know, do we take a step back um, where we're not seeing an improvement um, in the reduction of head injuries? Um, do we still see this 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 outcry of you know they're they're taking away this game? The defensive players have an unfair or the offensive players have an unfair advantage for the defensive players. They just don't know what to do at this point in terms of avoiding fines and and, and, and penalties. Um, or, or do we turn the corner and do we start to see the players get more adjusted to the rules? They're able to play and not think, um, and we're able to see uh, a cleaner brand of football with less attention to the rules change, to the focus in player safety, and we're just able to enjoy the game. You know, I think of player, safe, player safety kind of like officials. Great, A great officiating crew is the one that the next day we're not even talking about. They did a good job, and they just kind of blended in. I think that's where we need to get with player safety. Mm. All, all good looks for the season, great storylines. Um, you brought up some interesting points about the Kansas City angle and, and teams that, you know, have revamped and reworked some some, some key pieces of their organizational uh, structure, whether it be bringing their new coach, new quarterback, and how that's going to play out. Mine is similar to that. My main story is I think right now in the, the bit of a power vacuum. Um, you know, I think once the season gets going, this is going to be what ESPN and the main network starts to run with. The Patriots aren't as strong as they usually are, so there's some questions about uh, the weapons that, you know, Brady's going to have at his disposal. Tom Brady's going Tom Brady. Um, he's going to do his thing, but are they going to be as strong? The Ravens, I'm questioning what I have questions about whether or not they're going to be as strong as they were last year. There's some voids there to be filled, both at, from on the play, on the offensive side of the ball and on the defensive side of the ball. They're looking for playmakers and leadership. So I think they may take a step back. Then you look at a team like Pittsburgh, who I know, D, that's your, that, them your peoples. <laughs> but they have a lot of questions about being able to protect Big Ben. And, you know, losing Mike Wallace, you know, the offensive line isn't playing as strong. Le'Veon Bell is going to be out for the first 
three to five or six weeks. So there's some question marks there with that team, and they still have some hope because they have to shore up. And then you go over to the NFC, and, you know, San Francisco, the great run with Colin Kaepernick, lost Crabtree, top receiver. Um, so they still have some questions as to whether or not one can Colin Kaepernick repeat or does the league have a book on him now and they're going to start to explore, and, you know, he's going to have to adjust. We always talk about standing ahead of your scouting report. You know, you look at you look at a team like that, Atlanta still is trying to figure it out and get it together. The NFC East is a, is a jumble. Um, I think the NFC North is going to be a jumble as well. Um, so there's kind of there's not a strong front runner out there who you would say this group of teams are going to be in the mix at the end of the season. There are a lot of teams that, you know, are traditional powers that may take a step back. And what that's going to do is it's going to open a door for a team, uh, some up-and-coming teams, Seattle Seahawks, Cincinnati Bengals, um, the Indianapolis Colts, teams like that to kind of step up and, and, and kind of seize the throne, you know, the the – there's a there's a, a vacuum of the power, a power structure right now. Somebody can step in and, and snatch it up. And so that's the main storyline that's playing out over the season. That these of these traditional powers not play so well, and I think over time it's going to get overplayed. And by about week seven or week eight, we're going to be tired about all of the stories about why the Patriots aren't playing well, or why the Ravens aren't playing well, or sorry, dude, why the Steelers aren't playing well. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I, think that's, I, I think that's what we're going to see is we're going to see a lot of the traditional powers um, not look as um, as sound as they usually do. You know, there are years where they don't look as strong, but it's like they got a plan and something's in place and they're going to be working. I think this may be a year where you see it where they don't look as strong, but you can see the makings of, of them. You know, these are, these are programs and teams that rebuild on the fly. You know, they don't, they don't fall back into the nether regions of the league. They, they they take an 8 and eight year and then they get a 12 and 4 game. You know, and so I think this may be an 8 and 8 year for those for those stars when they kind of take a step back. And I think that's going to be a major story. Yeah, and I think, these are, go ahead. Yeah, and I, I, but I would add that, you know, we always start like that down some of these teams, but they're like great boxers, you know, what they got, what they what they lose with maybe uh, youth, they create angles with experience. So why B Hop is still winning at fifty. And so, one thing about these organizations, they know how to practice, they got leadership, they know how to win, they know how to take advantage of little mistakes. So there's a lot of up and coming teams, but I think one of the big questions will be, you know, have these teams matured like Cincinnati to a point where. They they know how to win, like you know that that is just part of their culture, and they're not shook. You know, have they gotten over that big brother syndrome? And sometimes these teams of lesser talent perceive lesser talent like my Steelers, who I hope they're listening. You know, so you can just you can get questioned, folks. Um, they figure out how to do the little things to win, and so it might be ugly. They might win, you know, sixteen thirteen. You know, uh, but they they string enough a string along enough of those wins to do it because players just know how to do the moment. They know how to manage the game, and so you know that's the big question. Is there's a lot of these young teams with talent, but are they ready to win? Are they are they are are they on a winning streak? Are they able to do those little things on a consistent basis? You know, is there still fear of success? 
because with success comes expectation. Your sense you're not you're not speaking up on people. You know, you're not you're not doing that. So so now that you're not speaking up on people, people can see you coming. Are you ready for that? Because now people are going to bring their best game to you. It's not like you getting motivated to slay the the big uh, uh, giant. It's like they see you as that equal, so they're preparing for you like you're a contender. And can you handle that when the heat is in the kitchen? That's what I want to see. Mm, there's the heat in the kitchen. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so thinking about, you know, our role as the watchers of the watchers, uh, these stories that they've been throwing at us, I know, Wills, you're not very into into what you've been seeing as far as the storyline that the, you know, the mainstream media is kind of throwing at us with the whole RG3 situation and also with the Rex Ryan situation. I want to t- touch on the Rex situation real quick and just get some thoughts on why you think this isn't a big deal. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you the floor for a moment, uh, D. Wills, and if you want you to join, jump in if you have any comments to add. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to – let me hit this. Because my problem with, with the Rex Ryan situation is this. The media was looking at the wrong stuff, got mad about the wrong stuff. So you can be you – can, I think you can be critical of whether or not you should have Sanchez in at that point of the game or not. That's a coaching decision. That's a, that's a tactic, and you should be examining that. But when you ask him a question in the, post, in the press conference, he's, he's basically saying, I'll let you know when I let you know. That's his right as a coach. And then you're going to ride him and say he's negative because he didn't answer the question. He ain't not supposed to tell you. You don't ask Belichick to tell you anything. If Belichick said that, you'd be like, it's the Belichick way. But he says it. Now you critical because he said he's going to make the decision at the right time. Yeah, he's only got – yeah, it's probably obvious he only got one option. But it's up to him to tell you when he wants to tell you. And don't be critical of that. Why is that blown out of proportion? Rather than, yes, you can ask him questions about the decision. I think that's fair ground. But sometimes these folks in the media are yelling about, oh, why couldn't he answer the question? Because he don't have to answer the question. It's a competitive thing. It's something I'm not going to let you know, show up my hand. You don't know how I'm going to go at this. I might run a single wing for the rest of the year. Might not have a quarterback. I might kick on first down. It's, that's my right as a coach. And that's what makes it this story. They blow the wrong things out of proportion. The fact that he didn't want to confirm that 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 he's going to make a coaching uh, decision there. And that's I mean I'm like this is right. I listened to the interview. I was like, well, it's that's that's okay for him to say he don't want to tell you right now. Yeah, he pissed off. He know he messed up, but he don't want, he don't have to tell you who where he's going to go. That's not your right to know. So that's the kind of stuff I think people focus on the wrong things in some of this stuff. That is. Just crazy that they they they. It's like they lost their mind. It's like the news cycle was so slow they had to figure out something that they needed to create, and that's crazy. The other thing is that's the same thing with RG three. Now he should just shut up and just get off. The, I mean, he, he liked being in front of the camera. That's on him. But he should just sometimes just sometimes less is more. You know, you know this is a hey, this is a smart kid. You know, he could have gone to law school. He got a lot of ability. Because sometimes you're too smart for your own good. That's, sometimes you should have taken you should have taken that Donovan call, you know, because sometimes you got to be coachable with people who could probably tell you something because they made the mistakes. Somebody just need to tell him as less is more, you know. We know you could quit trying to puff your chest out, you know. But that's not a story. He's young. He's trying to you know he's trying to do what Elway would have done, you know. But I think he's trying too hard. He's trying to be Elway too much. <laughs> 
It's chill. So that's my stuff, man. You know, it, it's obvious that people are ready for the game to start. Whew. Got it off your chest, <laughs> Uh, right, know, was, right. We, we were texting right. back and forth. I couldn't quite get it like that, but that's you know I gotta get it off my chest. So, so we gonna call you out, media. <laughs> we gonna call you out here on RSG. That's right. Come on the show. Come on the show and step up and get uh, beat down. We gonna call you out. Right. Right. Now, PAC, so what thoughts, are your thoughts yeah. on this whole situation? So my thoughts with the Jets is uh, they were newsworthy two or three years ago. Now it's it's like we're sitting here and we're talking about the Houston Astros. You know, we're talking about the Kansas City Royals. Right. right. I mean, win some games, do some stuff, make the play. I, I'm just sick of it. I'm tired of – all right, I'm moving on. RG3, uh, you know, I'm kind of indifferent. I really am because I don't trust the Shanahan's. I just don't. I don't trust them, and it probably is rooted back to fantasy football. Uh, <laughs> you know, the running back situations, I don't know. But I just don't trust them, and I think it's clear that RG3, his camp, uh, they have questions, and there's just not a unified message. And I believe that they're getting off at the wrong on the wrong foot this season because they're opening the door to just for this to be a distraction all season. If, you know, any kind of injury, any kind of um, losing streak, it's going to come back to this or it's going to come back to a lack of trust or communication between the coach and the star. So I agree with you, Devon. Um, RG3 could have just shut up. I mean, he's not the first player or the last player that doesn't agree with something with the coach, but at the end of the day, it's just not your place, and you have to pick and choose your battles, and I just don't see this as a worthwhile battle. Yeah, and as far as RG3 goes, I'm kind of in the same boat as you guys. Just need to back up a little bit. Let's take a step back, man. You know, bide your time. I know you're not playing right now, but just just fall back. Just fall back, you know, and really get in there, really dig into Operation Patience. <laughs> you wanted to rock that T-shirt. Really dig into that, all right? And really, let's, let's, let's just focus on that for a minute. Just fall back. Let all of this play out. The more you talk about it, the more the media is going to talk about it. You know, they're going to pander to that East Coast, that Beltway. You know, they're going to pander to New York. And that's really what bugs me is that this is blatant pandering to the New York East Coast market. You know what I mean? It's just the Jets are a last-place team. There's no questions about that in my mind. Why do we care about who's going to start on a team that's going to be in last place? Why do we care Man, about who's the starting quarterback? What was up with that news conference? Hey, guys, I know I don't normally talk to you all on this day, but uh, I wanted to clear up some things. What? I mean, talk about just making it worse. That's like picking out a scab. Picking out a scab, man. Right. Spread a heel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. So the, the, the whole situation, I'm over. I'm over the Jets, you know, their relevant their days of being relevant as far as I'm concerned are long gone. Um R G three, call me when that brother suits up and starts playing football. That's how I feel about those sports. You're listening to the Real Sports Guys, RealSportsGuys.com, R S G, Pretty Gay Radio. Now, we're gonna transition into talking about two divisions in the NFC. 
We're going to talk about the NFC West and the NFC South. We're going to use the format that we've used thus far to break down the other divisions. We have five questions. We're going to roll through those five questions, and each of us is going to take a shot at giving an answer. I'm sorry, we have four questions. My bad. We have four questions. The first question, we're going to focus on the NFC West. I'm going to start with PhD, and D. Wills, I want you to go after, after we let PhD give his piece. All right? So the first question we have is, order of fans in the NFC West. What do you got, PhD? All right, here's my order. I'll let you guys tell me if I'm going top down or, or bottom up. Seahawks, Rams, Cardinals, 49ers, Onions. Seahawks, you're going, to, um, Rams, you're going to bottom Cardinals. up. Devon? Top down. That's right. I think the 49ers will finish last in the West. I like the Seahawks to win it. I see the Rams and Cardinals in the two and three slots, and I see the 49ers as the worst team in the in the division. And here's why. Okay, I'm sure everybody listening, I'm sure you gentlemen are like you want an explanation. Why? <laughs> yeah, you do. Absolutely. Is he just doing this? Is he just doing this for shock value? I mean, what? Show me your cards. You get the heard on. Yeah, I mean, I need something. I need, I need something to dig <laughs> into because you're losing credibility by the second. Give me something to save you. And so here it is. Colin Kaepernick. I think that he is one of the top five to ten quarterbacks in the league. I think he is the real deal. But I also feel like he is an injury risk. And in the past, they had a nice backup plan. Right now, their backup plan is Colt McCoy. And call me old school, but I don't think you can play the way that Kaepernick Kaepernick plays and be healthy year after year for 16 games. So for that reason, I think Kaepernick loses, uh, like he misses significant time because of injury. And all of a sudden, that offense just isn't as powerful. I think for that reason, I mean, the defense is going to be a top ten, top five defense. But I think the offense struggles for a four or five game stretch at some point in the season. So I can I can understand that logic, but then how do you explain putting Russell Wilson, who has a similar style of play, his squad in first place? Uh well, you know I. I like the Seahawks um, as a team. I think given that both teams are healthy, I think they're going neck and neck one and two in that division. But Russell, I don't – he – their styles their styles are similar, but it's not the same. It's kind of like Ghostface and Raekwon. Similar, but not the same. It's clear to me. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I applaud you for the, for the analogy because I think it's spot on. I think it's so with Russell. With Russell, I mean, here's a guy that ran for 500 yards last year. I mean, that's nothing to sneeze at from a starting quarterback in the NFL. But at the same time, Russell. I mean, I've seen him play throughout his college career, uh, through his first year in NFL. He has a knack of of eluding big hits. I know what all it takes is one, 
And also, they don't run a lot of running plays for him. The closest that they get to that is a read option, and 80 90% of the time he's giving the read option up. The, the remaining 10 20% of the time, the vast majority of that, he's throwing off of it. So um, a lot of his runs come off controlled uh, scrambles. So I feel a lot safer than, for him than Kaepernick where they, um, on a regular basis, run him in between the tackles, in addition to his scrambling style. So Kaepernick has shown that he can stay in the pocket and be dangerous that way, but, you know, we've seen him be all over the place throughout the uh, regular season and early in the playoffs in terms of running and also running in between the tackles. Okay. All right. Love the ghost space Rayquan analogy. Love it. I feel like that was perfect. D. Wills, your order of finish. Uh, Seattle. San Francisco, Arizona, St. Louis, top to bottom. I think this is a tough okay. division. I think there's a the order doesn't give each of these teams justice because I think they all are going to be very good. And I would say that you know uh, what St. Louis was a four one and one or something like that. Was that right? Um, so they they all got talent, and so every game is going to be a fight, but somebody got to lose. And so um, I think they'll play very well outside of their division. Um, but I just think every every game in this division is going to be a dogfight. I mean, Arizona's defense um, is came on last year. They couldn't score any points. Uh, but, you know, now they're going to put together some offensive numbers, so they'll be tough. Um, St. Louis is grown. Um, I think they're doing the right things. I think Fisher's doing the right stuff. I just think, exactly what I said, you know, the readiness to win, I think San Francisco and Seattle are elite teams in NFL football. Um they are strong on both sides of the line. In some ways, they are a throwback. When everybody else is going to this other stuff, they beat you up. They believe in their front lines beating up your front lines. And, uh, but I think Seattle's got more of a package. Um, I think um, they got more ways to do it. I think Russell was going to um, – They, you know, now they can game plan for his skill set versus, you know, last year. He took on, but it was kind of hampered with the competition – now you kind of go to off season knowing you're designing for him, and I agree with Phil. The one thing he does is he doesn't take a lot of hits. He actually will hit the ground. Maybe that's his baseball inning, uh, but uh, he's smart about getting enough and getting down. Um, and then I think because of that offensive line, I think that that came on uh, their running game. Uh, having Lynch, they they have they have a lot going on there. So I just I just think and Seattle what, hasn't really lost at home. So, I, I, you know, I think they're going to edge them a little bit. And I, and I think early on San Francisco just might have a little bit of a, 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 you know, just still reacting from losing that Super Bowl. I think they're going to play well. I think Kaepernick is going to have a great one. But uh, I think Seattle is going to nudge them. Okay. So my order finish, I have Seattle first, Arizona second, San Francisco third, St. Louis Wow. And yeah, the reason being is Arizona. When you look at the schedules for these teams, I think these. I think this is the toughest division in the league. Um, I think top to bottom, I agree with you wholeheartedly, D. Wills. I think this team is going to play very well outside of their conference, outside of their division. Um, when you look at the schedule, they drew the N. They drew the AFC. Um, and in the, in the NFC South. So they got games with the NFC South and the AFC South as far as their out-of-division games. 
Now, of those games, Arizona has probably the easiest draw in regards to who they play on the road. You know, they got the toughest road game right now going into the season, and this this will all change when injuries and things like that start happening. Their toughest road game of the season, as far as outside of the division, is the New Orleans Saints, and that's in week three. Otherwise, on the road, and they could have drew a lot worse. On the road, they got Tampa, they got Jacksonville, they got Philly, and they got Tennessee. Um, the other teams in the division are playing teams like the Texans on the road. You know, they're playing Atlanta on the road. Uh, those are going to be tough games to win uh, for some of the other teams. So I think that's going to give Arizona just a slight advantage. The defense is coming on. You know, this is a defense, you know, we'll touch on fantasy football a little bit. This is one of those sleeper defense special teams units. If you play in a fantasy football league, they use defense and special team units. That I would say snatch them up early because this is a ton of potential not only for the defense to take uh, get, get a lot of defensive scores, but then you're also talking about um, – you got the Honey Badger. You got Patrick Peterson, uh, two of the most electric return men in the game. Um, so there are going to be a lot of opportunities for this team to score. I think Palmer un- uniting with getting together with Mary Fitzgerald is going to be excellent. Um, I think they're going to throw the ball all over the lot, um, which I think is a good style for them. Um, I think it fits with just kind of their environment. Being in the dome, you can do that. You can get away with it. Playing a lot of warm weather games, you can get away with it. So I like Arizona a little bit more than I like San Francisco. The reason I don't like San Francisco, uh, Colin Kaepernick, I think I think people don't give enough credit to the receivers that they had in San Francisco last year. Um, losing Crabtree, um, losing some of that continuity. You had Moss there. So losing some of those guys I think is going to affect his ability to be effective. Um, we all know that second year round is really the test. If you're for real, you're going to be as good as you were your first year, your second year. We all know it doesn't work out. Always work out that way. You know, there's a similar player who had a similar style of play um, who was recently signed by the Green Bay Packers to be their backup quarterback after being out of the league for a couple of years. This same player came in, led his team to the playoffs his rookie year, his first year as a starter, won 10 games, made the Pro Bowl, had a very similar style to Colin Kaepernick. It didn't work out well. People said a lot of the same things they said about Kaepernick when this cat was playing after that first year. That could change the game. Look at his size-to-speed size to ratio. He do all these things outside of the pocket. It didn't work out. Now, it didn't work out for a lot of reasons, but all I'm saying is is that once the league gets a rap on you, they get the book, they get the book on you, they get all the tape, and they go through the tape, and they game plan for you, it's a different world. And him not having the receivers he, he had last year and having that chemistry, I don't know. I think that may play a role in it. And the guy I'm talking about is Vince Young. You know, Vince Young, rookie of the offensive rookie of the year, his first year, led the Titans to the playoffs, you know, won 10 games with that squad, went to the Pro Bowl. And that was the last good year that brother had. So you never know how it's going to play out. I don't think he'll be as good and as electrifying as he was his first year. But I, I don't. I would say this. I don't see him. Any, I've watched him in the college. He's one of my sleeper picks coming out of the draft. I think he is as good in his arm strength and his ability to throw certain throws could rival Luck easily. And so, and this is a kid that was a 4.0 student in high school. So this, I mean, this is a kid that's smart. 
and I think Harbaugh Harbaugh's one of the best coaches, you know, and you think you, you got a head coach could also be a quarterback coach. So I, I think there might be I think the drop off I agree with is that his talent level around him might cost him in a couple games. But I think he's gonna have a solid season because again, they can game plan for him and set it up for the you know offseason. I just don't think he's gonna have enough weapon in some of these key games. Uh but I'm interested in what you you said about the schedule for Arizona. Um, they start out at the Rams, which I think is a tough game. The Lions is a tough game, but sometimes the Lions are on the road in in Arizona. Lions sometimes Lions game might not travel, but if it does travel, that's a tough game. Then they go to the Saints and they go to the Buccaneers. I think the Buccaneers they're the hardest team to play, but I think they're a sleeper. Um, in terms I don't, of I'm, not, I'm off. I'm off the Josh Freeman bandwagon. I'm off on the Bucks. I've been trying I'm to ride the Bucks and hold out. I just I watched I watched them play in their third preseason game. They do sorry. <laughs> He's sorry. If you look at their first month, I mean, the game is a winnable. But even the Panthers, I mean, you just never know what you'll get Cam Newton. But then they they play the forty at Forty Niners. They play the Seahawks, and then they play the Falcons. Then they play the Texans. So like, you think all the way through but those three games, games, three of those four games are at home. You know what I mean? So that, that's that is a that's a brutal four game stretch. But you got three of three of those four at home, and then you but get these the, are these get are the Jaguars yeah, after I that. Heavyweights. I tell you, heavyweights, heavyweights travel. So, you know, the Falcons don't travel. You know, uh, Texans will travel. You know, so I'm saying that's going to be a tough game as good as at home. But, you know, Arizona's tricky. I think they're a year away. I'll take the Texans in week 10. I'll trust Andre Johnson's going to be hurt. I'll I'll take the Texans in week 10. Andre Johnson's going to be hurt. Um, Schaub is going to have a – he's going to be hurt. (laughs) Aaron Foster's going to be hurt. (laughs) You're going to be playing against the first team, second team backups. And when you play Houston that late in the season. Trust Palmer? You trust Palmer? I just want to say that. Do I trust Palmer? I trust him to beat Palmer. I trust him to throw for a lot of yards. I mean, I trust him to beat him. I'm not saying I, he's not going to be the reason that they're good. He's going to be he's going to be a step up from what they – he's going to be a, a light years ahead of what they had last year, which is going to – I trust Larry Fitzgerald. I trust Larry Fitzgerald. And I know what kind of player he is, and I know what he's been with way less talent at, the, at that position, at the quarterback position. And I'm not saying Carson Palmer is a game-breaker. I'm saying he's serviceable. And Larry Fitzgerald with a serviceable quarterback is a problem. But who, who they got if Palmer go down? Who, who's the backup? That, that's the case at anybody in the league, man. You get, I mean, somebody, your quarterback go down, 80, 85% of the league is, is a wrap. I'm just, I'm just saying, glass, glass Joe, though. <laughs> he glass Joe, but go, go ahead. Go ahead and put the ball in that. It's on tape. It's on tape. Hey, man, we all one play away. We all day to day. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the NFC. So that's the order of finish. So that's the order of finish in the NFC West. Who's the division MVP in this league? Who do you got as the best player in this league? D. Wills. Well, and I don't know if he's going to be the best. I think he's going to be the MVP because I think he's going to be the one sophomore that still has a good season. I just think he's a solid player. Will be Russell Wilson. I just think that he's going to have plenty of opportunities because he's going to have a secure defense that's going to put him in position. I think he's the kind of kid that they um, uh, have. A wait, 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 wait! I got to stop you. I got to stop you. 
I said MVP, not solid player. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I, uh, what, 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 Who's what, the most what valuable I, player saying, in, the, in the division? What, what, I, what, I'm say, what, what I'm saying is he's going to start carrying a lot more weight. I'm going with Russell Wilson. Okay. Okay. Down, so don't, don't, don't say I'm going with Russell Wilson and he's a solid player. <laughs> and then go talk about the defense. <laughs> Tell me why Russell Wilson is the best player in the division. He's going to win more games. He's going to win more games for them carrying them down the stretch because they're going to open it up. He's going to have a good season. I'm going to Russell. Okay. P.A.D.? Chris Long. I think Chris Long is going to be the most dominant player um, in this division. If you look at what he's done his first five years in the league, very, very average, underachieving his first two. But the last three years, he's had eight and a half, thirteen, and eleven and a half sacks. Um, I see him uh, getting anywhere from fourteen to sixteen sacks, and uh, and really, really pushing this uh, this Ram defense into the playoffs. Okay, I, I have Russell Wilson as well. Um, I just think <laughs> you know, he's. You <laughs> <laughs> no, I jumped on you because you. Cause you talking about, about we talking about the MVP and you talking about this guy solid. Okay. <laughs> then you start talking about the defense. <laughs> you didn't say nothing about it. MVP well, of the division. I'm, hey, I'm I'm I'm, I'm going. Yeah. I'm letting you do your thing, man. Do a better, hey. do a better job. <laughs> I'm going with Russell Wilson. Um, I I think. He's going to be the leader of the best team. He is the best player. He's the most dynamic player, in my opinion, in this division. Kaepernick is a close second, but i got to give it to Russell. I think Russell can make more plays just being in the pocket. I think if Russell had to just be a drop-back guy, and I think this is something that you were alluding to earlier, PAC, if he had to be a, just a drop-back guy, I think he could still be just as impactful as a quarterback um, without using his legs. Uh so I, I like him. I like the weapons he has around him. I think he's going to be able to utilize them a whole lot, um, more than he did last year. And I also think his teammates are going to be more – They're going to, there's going to be more belief in him, knowing going in right away this is our guy. You know, I think last year they were kind of like, okay, we like this guy. Let's see what he can do. And he started to prove himself, and then they started to, get, they started to really start to roll with him. And you saw that as the season went on, he started to produce more. And he started to produce more and started to produce more. And I think we're going to see that continue to go into this season. Um, so I, I got Russ. Plus, plus, he's still the only person I've ever known to throw a game-winning interception. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, you got you got to have some special abilities to throw an interception to win the game. <laughs> they are who we thought so, they were. Exactly. Exactly. So the next question we got, best single unit in this division. I'll start this one off. Um, for me, it's the special teams unit in Arizona, um, particularly when you got the Honey Badger and Patrick Peterson returning kicks. That crew right there um, in itself, I think, is going to change a few games this year, more games than a special team should. Uh, so that's the unit I'm going with as far as my best single unit. I'm going with the Cardinals special teams. PhD. I'll go with the the offensive unit for the 49ers, specifically their skilled guys. 
um, Kaepernick. At the running back position, you've got Gore um, and Michael James, and even Kendall Hunter, who's a very good special team player. So right there, you got three backs that you can play. Um, even with Crabtree being injured, I like the addition of Bolden, um, Kyle Williams, uh, and also they picked up Austin Colley. So this is a guy I think that's going to be able to, you know, play that third receiver role. And then I believe they have one of the top three tight ends in the game in Vernon Davis. And to me, the biggest, like one of the biggest uh, impacting rookies will be Vance McDonald, uh, rookie rookie tight end, big kid, six four, six five, out of Rice. Uh, this is a guy I think is going to catch thirty to forty balls, uh, find the end zone four or five times, and really give. Um, Give the 49ers an opportunity to run well with two tight ends, but also do what New England's been doing, or at least try to do that uh, with having two uh, versatile tight ends that can be uh, players in the in the pass game. Okay, D. Wills, the best unit. Uh, uh, Seattle secondary. Um, when you look at um, Thomas and uh, Chancellor at uh, safety, these guys. Uh, give them a lot of flexibility. Uh, they have size. Uh, when you think about Sherman, uh, he talked a lot of junk, but uh, the way that he is, uh, he's playing. Uh, you got Trufant. Uh, I think they still got Thurman, uh, and then uh, Brandon Browner. So I think they got a lot of depth. I think they got size. I think they're gelling as a unit, um, and uh, uh, I think that is what's uh, you know you combine that with their front line. He's going to begin. But I think this is one of the best secondaries coming coming along. They're physical. Um, they get after you. Uh, so I think I see this as the best unit in the in the division. Okay. All right. Now the last question we got: possible contenders, if any, from this division. PhD, I'm going to let you kick it off. None. I don't see any. Ooh. All right. All right. He wills. Uh, I mean, obviously, I think uh, the the, the uh, NFC champions, uh, 49ers, I think you can't count them out. I think they're contenders. Um, uh, I, I would say Seattle's a contender. I think both of those teams, they're probably the most – they're the most physical teams in the NFL. And they they to beat them, uh, you got to withstand the physical play they're going to come, and they're going to try and force their will on you. Um, and they match up against anybody you know, um, uh, in the NFC. I mean, they can take on some of your top teams uh, in the NFC, and, and we've seen these other teams shrink when they had to face these two. So I think that – I think both those are legitimate contenders for Super Bowl and uh, Super Bowl victory. Okay, yeah, I have to go with Seattle as well. Um, it's Seattle's the only team I got. But I like Seattle in this division um, as a team that could possibly contend. Um, i got tons of faith in Russell Wilson. I like their defense. The defense is tough. Uh, it's a playmaking defense. Um, so, yeah, I, I think they can, as, as you said, I think they can play with anybody. Um, any given Sunday, I'll take them anybody's, uh, anybody, on anybody's field, anybody's stadium. Um, I think they got a shot. And, you know, you know they're tough at home. So, yeah, I think that's a big key. Also, when you're trying to make a run, is having a little bit at home cooking and having a, a distinct home field advantage, and, and we know they do with the 12th man out there in Seattle. So that's the NFC West. Now we're going to move on and hit up 
the NFC South. All right, so now we're going to tackle the NFC South real quick. You listen to the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSG, Renegade Radio. Uh, we're going through our NFL preview. This is our NFL preview show. We are giving you a preview of NFL divisions one by one division at a time. Today we're covering two. We just covered the NFC West, and now we're going to hit you off with our uh, preview of the NFC South. All right. PAZ, I want you to uh, kick us off with your order of finish. In fourth, the Bucks. Third, Panthers. Second, the Saints. And the first, the Dirty Birds of Atlanta. Dirty, dirty. Rise up, Falcons. <laughs> all right, all right. Any any issues with that order? D. Wills. I have not. So you have you have Atlanta last. Uh, I've got Atlanta winning the division, the Saints okay. in second place, the Panthers okay. in third, and the Bucks in fourth. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't have a problem with that at all. All right, I'm in. I'm, I, got, I have the same exact order, um, so I have no problems with that order at all. Uh, I think, you know, Atlanta's the cream of the crop. I think New Orleans will bounce back this year, and we'll, they'll look like the Saints that we um, have come to know over the past few years. Carolina is Carolina. I think they're still kind of a mid-level team. They still have to figure out their skill positions um, and, and put some real solid weapons around Cam. They've still got a muddled backfield. Your boy, P.A.D., D'Angelo, <laughs> he's taking out <laughs> He's still got a job. D'Angelo Williams. If you don't know PAC, cannot stand him from D'Angelo Williams. Jonathan Stewart is out the first six weeks. He's on the pup list. Yep, he's on the pup list. Yeah, he's on the pup Uh, list. So it's all D'Angelo's job. (laughs) (laughs) Can't trust him. First thing I'm going to do in the league, man, I'm going to drive D'Angelo late and send you a trade proposal. (laughs) That's the bottom. I think they need more at the skill position. I think their defense is going to be tough. Uh, you, you know, Eric, Eric, you and Eric turned me on to Luke Keekley, man. That dude's a monster. That yeah. dude is a ball player, man. That dude is a ball player. So I like what they got on defense, but I just don't think it's enough for them to really make any noise in that division. And then you got Tampa, and like I said, I'm out. I'm out on Josh Freeman. Holding hope that this guy was around back great season couple years ago. He hasn't looked good, in my opinion. It all looks like he's he's uh, lost a little bit of confidence, uh, and that's a horrible thing when you're a quarterback. D. Will, your order of finish in the NFC South? Uh, well, I, I have Atlanta winning, and I just think that uh, they're adding to the depth. Uh, I think they are, are going to make a serious run this year. Uh, New Orleans, I, I agree. I think they're, they're going to bounce back to highly motivated, uh, highly pissed off. Um, I just think they're going to have some struggles kind of gelling early on, and so that's why I got them a notch below. Uh, I got Tampa Bay, even though um, <clears throat> I understand the frustration with Josh Freeman and his, his maturation, um, I think Doug Martin really becomes the heart and soul. You know, almost gives you that Emmett Smith kind of feel. Um, I think they're going to be a very physical team uh, that will, sh- you know, take their shots when they need to take them. Uh, the defense is going to be physical. Uh, and so I think in some ways, uh, you know, uh, they'll manage wherever Josh's opportunities. I think they'll run that ball. I think Doug Martin will be a big thing. 
Carolina's the hardest thing. It seems like they just don't. They go. They got. They got some pieces on defense. We, uh, uh, we we're just you just mentioning that. Um, but I just don't think. I don't know who they are. Like these other teams, I, I got a sense of who they are. Carolina, I don't know who they're trying to be. Um, and that's what makes me nervous. Anytime I can't really define who you're trying to be, even if it's like you still need some personnel pieces, but it's clear that this is the kind of team you want to be, I can do it. But Carolina, I just don't understand. I don't got. I don't have a feel for them in terms of what their identity is. Versus the other teams, Tampa Bay wants to be physical. Uh, they want to play nasty. You've seen it in the preseason. Um, they're still going to work some things out, but that's what they want to do. Um, New Orleans, we know who they are. And, and uh, with Rob Ryan, they're going to be attacking. Uh, Atlanta, we know who they are. But, you know, Carolina is the only team I don't really understand who they're trying to be and what their identity is all about. Now, that could shift. They could be everything. But I just, at this point, because I don't know that, i got to put them at the bottom. Okay. All right, next question. Uh, division MVP. Uh, D. Wills, why don't you lead us off with this one? Then PhD, why don't you back him up and I'll come in third. I'm going to be a little bit more assertive the last time I did it because I kind of came out the gate kind of soft. I think I was just trying to catch it. I'm going Matt Ryan. You know, you know, Matty Ice. You know, this is hard for me. I've been very critical of him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think, you know, each of the last couple seasons, he's just taken the reins more. And I, I just think he's going to have a big season. I, they're going to put it all together. And I think he's just going to put up huge numbers. Um, and I think they're going to make a serious run. And so uh, Matty Ice is my guy. For me, uh, I'm going to go with Cam Newton. I, I think Cam puts it together and uh, and cuts down the turnovers, becomes more efficient. And uh, to me, I think he puts up some, some crazy numbers that puts him in the top five of the MVP race for the entire league. Okay. I'm, I'm kind of going chalk a little bit. Um I'm going Drew Brees, man. It's a resurrection. Uh, he's going to come back, and I think he's going to do what Drew Brees does. So throw a lot of touchdowns, throw for 5,000-plus yards. Um, he's going to yeah. put up some ridiculous numbers. He's reunited with Sean Payton. I think they're going to do their thing, and I think he'll be the reason that the Saints are in the mix, as always. Um, so I'm going Drew Brees. Uh, hey, he was my, he was my second choice. Okay. He was my second choice, so I'll give you that. Good one. Best single unit in the division. Um, I will start this one off. Um, I'm going to go with the receiving core in Atlanta. Uh, I mean, to me, this is a hands-down a no-brainer. You got Julio Jones. You got Roddy White. You got Julio Jones who's probably, if not in the top five, He's on his way to being in the top five receivers in the league. You got Roddy Wright, who's been a top five receiver in the league, and maybe slightly on his way just outside. But you got two top ten, two of the top ten receivers in the league, in my opinion. Uh, and then you got Tony Gonzalez, who's still kicking at the ripe old age of 37, uh, still putting in work, still playing tough, uh, still one of the best tight ends in the game, one of the most productive tight ends in the game. Uh, they get Harry Douglas back, who is a nice slot receiver. They lost him last year to injury. Um, and then you add in receivers out of the backfield. Steven Jackson is a great receiver out of the backfield. You also have Jaquiz Rogers, who's a great receiver out of the backfield. So they have a lot of depth in their receiving core um, in Atlanta. So for me, that's the best group. That's the best single unit in this division. Uh, 
PhD. Who you got? Ditto. All right. D. Wills, who you got? We were going to go with Charles on this one. Yeah, that's, I was going to ditto with that one. And you broke it down. I wasn't going right. Sweet, sweet. So we'll keep it rolling. Possible contenders, if any. PhD. Are there any contenders in this division? Yeah, I think the Falcons are a contender. Unfortunately, they've really let me down the last couple of years, man. You know, they, they're they winning 12 to 14 games in a regular season, and they're laying an egg, and it comes to playoffs. I, you know, I just, I just think this team was so close last year, man. The Falcons were so, so, so close. And I'm just optimistic that they're going to figure it out, turn the corner. I think they make the Super Bowl this year. Okay, okay, D. Wills, any contenders in this division? Hey, you know for me to say this, Atlanta, and I, and I have to agree with Bill, and they, they let down, and, you know, I, I've been probably the, because they got all the talent, I've been most critical of Atlanta uh, because I, 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 I was questioning their heart and their fight when they got blown out by Green Bay at the crib in the playoffs and, uh, you know, you know, battling with Seattle and getting, you know, but but I think they – those things evolved. They prepared them to win. Um, and I think added, adding up someone like uh, Jackson, he, if they keep him healthy, he's a heart and soul type person. He's got a lot of heart. He, he spent all those years with the Rams, uh, but he plays hard. And he might be the kind of person they also need that can kind of give them that confidence and that toughness. So I, I, Atlanta is definitely someone I could see in the Super Bowl. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going with Atlanta as well. Um, particularly for the Steven Jackson factor. Um, you know, when you have a team that struggles to get over the hump, sometimes just adding that one guy who is extremely hungry, who has had success in the league, but is coming there just to win, I think that sets a different kind of tone. It also kind of galvanizes the guys who are already there. Like, yo, he chose us because he knows we can get this done. He believes we can get this done. He's here to help us get this done. He wants to get this done because he hasn't done it and he wants this bad. You know, I think having a guy like that um, come in, I think, helps kind of solidify or fill in that missing piece um, for that particular team. So I, I think Atlanta's a team I can see um, competing for a title uh, in, the, in the NFC and in, in Super Bowl championship from this particular division. So that wraps up our preview of the NFC West and NFC South. You're listening to the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSG, Renegade Radio. Now, we're going to transition into the five on the black inside. We have five topics that we're going to hit in the five on the black inside, and we're going to jump into those, like, right now. Five, uh, five, uh, uh, on the black inside. Oh, I missed that drop, man. I missed that one. <laughs> All right, oh, so first, first one up in five on the black hand side, uh, I'm going to talk to PhD. D. Wills, you go. I'll, I'll jump in third. Rookie impact player, PhD. Who's your impact rookie that you see out there that's going to have a major impact, take the lead by storm this season? Uh, two guys, and they're both out west. Um, actually, I'll just stick with one. Stefan Teller. Uh, kid out of Stanford, rookie. Um, mm-hmm. Now he's with Arizona. And, you know, 
Mendenhall, I don't know, man. His best days might be behind him. And Stefan Tellers looked really good in the preseason. Um, I really liked him uh, at Stanford, um, you know, that last season when Harbaugh was there. And then last, uh, this most recent season, he played really well. I think this is a kid that runs the ball tough in between the tackles. He's got enough speed to make a difference. And surprisingly, he's he's caught the ball really well at the backfield. Um, he, he's been doing a solid job on pass protection. And that was his biggest question coming out of college. So at this point, the Cardinal uh, coaching staff really trusts him. And I think we're going to gradually see him uh, get more and more opportunities the early part of the season. Okay, that 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 one kind of surprises me. That one that one surprises me. Um, not a guy that was on my radar, but I love your analysis. I do think that Arizona running back situation is a bit muddled, um, which is why I kind of see them throwing the ball around because I think it's just going to take a while to get it figured out. Taylor could Taylor is a good back. He's a good back. I definitely see where you're going with that. So Stephon Taylor, all right. D. Wills, who you got? Well, and, and I, I just want to say that he's one of my sleepers in the draft. I, 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 for all the reasons that you said, I, I loved him. Uh, my guy, and every, you know, it seems like I do this every year. You know, back in the day, I, I got Kaepernick. When Cam was coming out, people were already critical of him. I did this, and this year, the person that I hung on to, I just couldn't understand. All these national analysts couldn't figure out. I think this kid can play. I think he, I think he's proven it. Uh, once he comes back from his injury, it's EJ Manuel. I, I just like this kid. He's smart. Um, he plays well. Um, you know, before he got hurt, he was looking solid preseason. I think they're excited about him. And I heard all this stuff about him being a project player, and I'm like, I'm looking at this stuff like, you know, these kids you were talking about last year coming out, this kid is smart. He played a big-time program. He can make all the throws. He's picking up – so this, that's my I, – I, I, he's already doing it. I think his lineup for him on his return – um, I think he's going to have a, a impact and and really kind of help uh, Buffalo, you know, uh, get over the top and challenge it uh, in that division. Okay, I like Emmanuel a lot too. Um, I like what I saw from him, you know, in the preseason games that I've gotten to see him play in. He's definitely uh, got a poise about him. Um, he's got a knack for making plays, and you know, he he seems like he's reading defenses pretty well. We know. From the preseason to the regular season, things get a bit more exotic. Um, the looks get a little bit more complicated to break down. Um, but from what I saw, he looks like he's got a bright future. I, I can agree with you on that one. The guy that I like is Eddie Lacy out of Green Bay. Um, he yep. just yeah, has yeah. that feel and that look when he has the ball um, of, a, of a big-time running back. And that's something that that organization hasn't had since Amon Green. Um, it's something that they need to provide balance. Um, I think their offensive line is going to be really shaky this year. So I don't think they can count on being able to drop back 40, uh, 35 to 40 times a game like they have in the past because I don't think Aaron Rodgers will make it. Eddie Lacy could be the savior up there as far as the unsung hero up there as far as his impact because what he will ultimately do is keep, help them keep Aaron Rodgers upright, which is the most important thing that anybody – in that Packer organization can do, because if he goes down, it, 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 you're not the same team, you're not the same organization. So Eddie Lacy is the guy. I think he's going to rush close to 1,000 yards, which is going to be a huge, a huge help 
in that offense. And if he does, that offense is going to be really dangerous. Um, so I like Eddie Lacy. Cat just jumps off the screen when you watch him run. All right. So our next question in the five on the black hand side, we're going with top offensive player uh, in the NFL, in the league. So this is your offensive MVP of the league, D. Wills. Who you got? I'm, we're going back to the future. We're going retro. We're going Pete Manning, uh, comeback player of the year last year. Um, I just think things are going to set up for him uh, very nicely. Um, you know, he's in a division that has potential spark, but has uh, everybody's in transition. Uh, he's settled. Um, you know, he had, what, 37 touchdowns last year, only 11 interceptions, um, you know, near, near 70% on his uh, uh, completion. Uh, 4,659 yards. I mean, that's coming off of sitting out. Now he's got Welker and he's got other pieces in play. Um, I just think that um, he could have a monster year this year, um, and I think he's on track to really push some things. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going with the same guy, Devon. I uh... – <laughs> I swear this wasn't planned out, but, you know, for me, Peyton Manning, I believe, is going to be the MVP this year. He's got so many weapons around, man, so many, so many weapons. Wes Welker may actually be his third best receiver. (laughs) (laughs) He might be. I mean, he might be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, behind Thomas and Decker, you know, or Decker might be his third best receiver, you know, so – Monte Ball, I'm all in on him. Uh, you know, I, I thought Shanahan had left Denver, but uh, but Fox is talking about Ball and Hillman are going to share the load. We'll see how long that that works. But uh, but you know, I like what they're doing offensively out there, and and I think yeah. they're going to have to score a lot of points to be successful out there. Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and complete the trifecta. I, I think Peyton will will win it. I think he's gonna have a huge year. Um, side, on a side note, Phil, remember, Fox was the quarter or was the coach um, during those years when they, when uh, D'Angelo and uh, Jonathan Stewart were sharing the rock. Oh, so, uh, right. This oh. He's done this before. He's done this before. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I digress. Um, Peyton Manning, I think, I, I, for all the reasons you guys said, he's gonna have a great year. Great, we- great set of weapons around him. Um, Hillman's a good receiver out of the backfield. Monte Ball can catch him. So he's loaded, man. And, and you get a guy like that with that much to work with, sky's the limit as far as what he can do. So let's move on to defensive player of the year. PhD, who's your defensive player of the year? I'm going to go with Patrick Peterson. I I feel like they have such a solid defense out there in Arizona. And um, I think Patrick Peterson might be on his way to have a Darrell Revis type of year, uh, but also kind of bringing that punt returning uh, aspect to it. So, uh, you know, Patrick Peterson, I believe he's one of the few shutdown corners we have in the league. And I think this is one of the best citations you can have, Deion Sanders. And Deion was asked, who reminds you most of you? And without a hiccup, without a second to think about it, he said Patrick Peterson. All right. All right. So we got we got a vote for Patrick Peterson. D. Wills, who are you casting your vote for? 
Well, you know, they're going to say on my homework because I named two Badgers, J.J. Uh, Watt. I think he going to eat. He gonna eat. He gonna eat like, uh, like, like, uh, like some of my big partners at an all-you-can-eat buffet in that division. He gonna eat his division. Huh? He gonna eat everybody else's division. He gonna block passes. It's just like he keeps getting better every year, and I just think uh, he's going to. He's got a will right now, and I, I just think he's gonna continue to assert himself on the league. He has so many different ways. He can impact the game, and I, I only feel like we've seen him scratch the surface. Okay, so JJ Watt. So we got a Patrick a vote for Patrick Patterson, a vote for JJ Watt. I like both those picks. I'm going off the board with a linebacker. I'm going Patrick Willis. Um, Ray Lewis just retired. Brian Erlacher just retired. It's his time to take that torch as the the alpha middle linebacker in the league. He's got challenges. He's got a challenge on his own roster, uh, Navarro Bowman. He's got Luke Keekley. He's got all these guys who are coming after that title of being the number one linebacker in the league. I think Patrick is going to take this year to assert himself. I think he's going to be a big reason that the 49ers stay afloat. Because, um, again, I, 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 I'm, I'm seeing uh, some hiccups for Kaepernick. So I think he's going to be a, a big reason or the reason that the 49ers stay afloat and can continue to compete um, as Kaepernick goes through his his, his deal and some of the hiccups I, I foresee in, in his uh, path this season. So I'm going with Patrick Willis. Next up, train wreck. So we got two. We got a, we got a dual category right here for number four. We got your train wreck waiting to happen, then your phoenix rising from the ash. So which team, player, or coach is headed for disaster? It's just going to go bad, and we're not going to be able to take our eyes off of it. And then which team, player, or coach is going to rise up from the ashes and, and, and return to re- the prominence that they once had? They've been down for a couple of years, but they're on their way back up. So you got two answers I need from you both. I'll start off. Uh, my train wreck, um, I think, for me, I'm sorry, D, my train wreck is Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> the team, I think, I think, I think they're just gonna have a hard time keeping Big Ben upright. I think he's gonna get hurt. Um, I think it's gonna be an injury riddled season. I, I, I just, I just feel like I watched him a couple times in the preseason, and it just didn't look right. It didn't look. I saw chinks in the, I saw chinks in the curtain. I saw chinks in the steel curtain. Um, right. Uh, I got my man Drew Brees, New Orleans Saints, that whole program coming back up um, after having a very down year last year, Sean Payton back in the fold. That's my team that's going to rise from the ashes. Uh, D. Wills, who you got? Well, I, I, I disagree with you on my Steelers. They're going to find a way. I, I don't think they're going to make that run. Of course you do. Of course like you do. But you know. But you I, wouldn't I, be a real fan if you did. This is the kind of season they actually, when you don't expect it, they actually make noise. It's weird. They like they and they'll do it like pea soup. It'll be thirteen ten. It'll be ugly. You'd be like holiday six and one. So that that was that one I go. But mine, mine is. I just want to put them to bed. Can somebody get the shovel out? The Jets. Just yeah. Just we all see it. They have no plan. Rex is already falling apart. The media in New York losing their mind. I feel sorry for Sanchez. I know he just wanted to take it out. 
you know, can somebody just bust me out? But they are just, I've never seen things so poorly ran. I just don't know what their plan is. But it's just, and I, I'm, I'm, we're going to have to deal with a whole season of it for a team that is really, uh, they're, they're, they're the Mr. Irrelevant of all teams. But they are the train wreck. And it just, it hurts you to watch it happen. But, you know, that's how it goes sometimes. And then, but ah, but the other Ryan, it's like a double package. It's Sean Payton and Rob Ryan, the guy who said, I'll get hired in a week. <laughs> he got fired, got let go, and got picked up by the end of the week. And I think that tandem of Ryan and Payton, you know, could be pretty crazy. Uh, I think it's the right group. I think Payton is the right temperament for a head coach to work with him. Um, but I think those two are just going to rise together. Okay, okay. D. Wills, I mean, I'm sorry, PhD, your train wreck and your phoenix that rises from the ashes. Uh, um, my train wreck has probably had to be the most uneventful, unex, uh, unexciting franchise to ever be on Hard Knocks. I'm only watching Hard Knocks this year because I'm a Hard Knocks fan. I mean, every other season of Hard Knocks, you know, that 55 minutes of the episode, it comes too fast. With this one, I'm like, can you get over it? You you know, it's it's just uneventful, man. (laughs) I I agree. I got to agree with you. It's the Cincinnati Bengals. I... I think that, you know, Marvin Lewis, 13 years ago, I was calling for him to get a job. And I think that they have to go beyond the first round of the playoffs. They need to make a big splash in the playoffs. And I just don't know if they have it in them. Um, You know, I I wonder how this team is going to score points. I don't buy into Andy Dalton. Um, I don't know. And my team is going to rise from the ashes. The Cincinnati Bengals. I think this what? team is going to have one of, yeah, I'm talking on both sides of my mouth. I am. I just, I just said, I was like, did I hear twice? <laughs> you, got, you got multiple personalities up in here? You got Phil T and Phil G speaking? So... Turn back the tape. I don't know. So, yeah, I'm really ambiguous about these guys. I don't, I don't know if if I should be getting on the Super Bowl train or if I should just be selling all my stock. I don't know because every time I think about it, I'm like, well, maybe they will do well. They they have limited personalities. Then I wonder. I mean, how? I just don't see any swag. I just don't. So, I have I have the ultimate mixed feelings when it comes to the Cincinnati Bengals this year? Yes, you do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you absolutely do. Uh, wow. Yeah, you're definitely conflicted. You got the fact you're team direct from the actors and your trainer. I am. I am. <laughs> okay, okay, all right. So now we got to get this on tape. Uh, Super Bowl... Matchups and predictions. 
You got to put it on wax. You know, we're probably going to be wrong, but if you're right, you want it to be recorded in time, right? So early, early Super Bowl matchup, PhD. Falcons and Texans. It will be the lowest rated, <laughs> the lowest rated Super Bowl ever. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah. In the snow. Okay. In the snow. <laughs> right. And for that reason, I think the Texans win. Uh, the Texans win because them boys in Georgia, it was going to be snowing. Forget about it. Forget about it. And why she stop? All right. So these wheels, Super Bowl matchup and prediction. And I'm going back and forth take. on this. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Atlanta against Denver. Uh, Denver wins. Mm, mm. Atlanta versus Denver, Denver winning. Okay, I got Seattle versus Denver with Denver winning. Peyton Manning picks up number two, even though with Eli, they can settle it at home. <laughs> All right. I love that. So we got about we got about seven minutes left. We got about seven minutes left. I want to tackle this question. This is a this is a real provocative question. Um, if you could be commissioner for a day, now I, I, I sat and stewed on this for a while when I saw this question in the rundown. I'm gonna start with 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 uh, D. Wills because this was your question. We got about seven minutes. What's your answer to this question? If you could be commissioner for a day, what? What's happening? If I could be commissioner for a day, what I would do, and I've heard this as a proposal, I would create a group of ex-players, big plan players, to review all hits and set the fines. Take it away uh, or have, you know, an arbitrator, but have a, a, a body separate from the commissioner's office review these hits and apply the appropriate fines. Okay. Clean okay. Up. So you gonna clean up the hit? Yeah. With your with your, uh, with your administration, y'all cleaning it up, cleaning up the game. All right. The PhD. Yep. If you could be commissioning, what you fixing? What you changing? If I could be commissioner for a day, I would uh, set up a pension um, plan for all the. NFL players that paved the way to this billion-dollar industry. It's sad to see how some of these players that played in the 50s and 60s and in some situations the 70s um, where they don't have anything. Um, and, you know, I I would look at that. And also I would uh, require that these players um, – uh, well, I'll just leave it at that. Okay. All right. Um, you guys have covered some good ground in your in your tenures. I'm going to go in a different direction. I had a lot of directions I wanted to go. I wanted to be versatile in case you guys uh, went in the direction I wanted to go, and you, and you kind of did. You know, I definitely had the idea of, okay, how can we pay it forward, so to speak, um, by paying it back uh, to players who have paved the way, Um Definitely addressing the, the safety issue in the league, um, and I would put it. One thing that I was, I took it a step further. I would put a permanent 
moratorium on any talk of 18 games, of an 18-game schedule. Let's, let's just stop that right now. All right? We can't talk about player safety at one side of our mouth talking about adding two more games. I, I, I just don't. I just don't don't see that. I think that 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 messes with the whole fabric of of the game in, in ways I don't I don't want to get into. The other thing is me and Demar Smith are gonna sit down, and we're gonna hash out the strictest PED policy in sports. We're gonna go ahead and get it done. You get popped with PEDs. That's a that's a that's a year out of year. That's a year out of the league. Year, full year out the league. Now, in a sport like football, where your career is short anyway, I doubt anybody wants to give up a year. That that's how I'm gonna clean up that game. So that's what I'm gonna do in my in my my one day. I'm gonna sit down with the players' association, and say, hey, let's go ahead. If it's not an issue, then nobody will get suspended. If it's an issue, then these guys need to get out of the game because they're making they they're, they're damaging the shield. All right, the shield is the most important thing. We don't want to become baseball. We don't want to get to the point where baseball is. So let's 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 get this under control before again one of our one of our stars gets caught, and then we got a problem. Then we got an image issue, and then people are looking at us as, looking at us as a steroid. So that's what I would do in my in my time as commissioner. So, all right. We're at that point in the show. You're listening to the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSG, Renegade Radio. It's time for the Resistance Digital Dog of the Week. Resistance Digital, the Dog of the Week is brought to you by Resistance Digital Solutions. Make sure you hit up the fellas at Resistance Digital to get all your digital needs met at a low, low price. You can hit them up at resistancedigital.com. Make your orders, place your orders, and get all your digital needs right, get your digital game right. Fellas, dog of the week. We know how it goes. I'm gonna bring it back for the football season. PA. We need more dogs. So, so I've got two dog of the, dogs of the week. My first dog is LeBron James for recognizing that it was in the NBA's best interest and perhaps his not to be the president of the Players Association. Although I really liked the idea at first. And my second dog of the week is Chris Paul for taking on that role. I think he's going to be phenomenal. I think of the days of Oscar Robinson, Isaiah Thomas, where you had some of the elite players uh, take on that role. So CP3 and King James are my dogs of the week. Excellent, excellent. I like those choices. Uh, D. Wills, my man, you know how it goes. We need more dogs. My dog of the week is Johnny Football. For looking the NCAA investigators in the eye and saying that he didn't take any money. After signing over four thousand signatures and laughing, <laughs> ain't nobody more bigger dog than that cat. That cat got whatever he got. He, he did it with a straight face. Hey, if you can stare at the air, at, at the Alabama defense, you can take on some NCAA investigators. With my dog of the week, I got I got two: Allen Iverson, Tracy Grady. Hats off to you guys for retiring. Great players. We can have the Hall of Fame debate another time. Um, I got some numbers that say T-Mac deserves to be in, so y'all be ready for that. I got some numbers that say my man T-Mac needs to get in the Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah. This is another edition of the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSG Renegade Radio. We are signing off, and we will catch you next week, same time, same place. Peace.